Good morning, everyone. It is the 24th of January. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Pella Strataki and Alex Byrne. Markets had another volatile week, with the Nasdaq hitting correction territory. That's a 10% fall from the high in November. Alex, we were hoping for some strong numbers from the Q4 reporting season in the US, but it seems that hasn't always been the case. Morning, Lorna. Yes, you're right. The Nasdaq was particularly hard hit. These bond yields rising, there is the valuation issue caused for stocks where the profit streams are in the future and those that are reliant on growth. So Netflix, one of the fans, was 20% hit in terms of its share price as the subscriber forecast fell way short of expectations. And Peloton, a firm lockdown favourite, was also hit hard. Year-to-date, also some of the lockdown favourites, AMC, lost nearly 40% on a year-to-date basis. Bitcoin has lost nearly 20% in the last week. And USIT in general was off 7% in the last week. And of course, this all follows from this recent hawkish tone from the US Fed, not to mention the 7% inflation print for December. We've even had very slightly more hawkish noises from both the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan last week. That's right, very slowly. So the ECB has obviously been steadfast in its refusal to change its interest rate policy this year. And it continues with this rhetoric that the Fed has stuck up to until the last few months, that inflation is driven by these temporary factors and they should ease over 2022. However, there seems to be these words creeping into the statements, such as inflation is driven largely by temporary factors rather than just entirely, ready to act if price pressures provide to be more consistent. And the first hints to the market for at least the ECB could be a little bit more flexible with rates and support in both directions. Let's not forget the purchase programs and current rates are still extremely accommodative. Marks are sensing, at least until now, a more hawkish backdrop with inflation numbers coming in multi-decade highs, questioning how much inflation can dissipate this year, currently forecasting two 10 basis points increases this year. Remember also that the ECB is rolling off the pandemic emergency purchase program in March and reducing the asset purchase program a half in the fourth quarter. Yes, and we can see these more inflationary expectations reflected in the yield on the German Bund. We can. Somewhat momentous moment as the 10-year government bond yield in Germany moved above zero for the first time since May 2019. It really gives a watershed moment for that total negative yielding debt globally, which has obviously ballooned over the last few years. So it's slipped from its 2020 peak to well below 10 trillion now. That's interesting. And the Bank of Japan? So the BOJ raised inflation forecast very slightly for 2022 to 1.1% from 0.9. So this is the first time they've shifted inflation risk, although small, for the first time since 2014. And now seeing inflation risk generally is balanced from being skewed to the downside. Again, a view that they've had since late 2014. They haven't changed anything on the interest rate side of things, maintaining that negative interest rate. It's important to remember, however, Japan's journey in the pandemic has been very different to the rest of the developed world. Much less extreme and much better managed. We haven't had the same kind of extreme extended lockdowns that have been in place elsewhere. The inflation risk is one which will be imported, especially on the energy side of things, as all the energy is imported to Japan since the nuclear disaster in 2011. Yes, and as always, there's a different order of inflation expectations in Japan. Pella, we seem to have the reverse story in China now, where the People's Bank of China this week cut a key interest rate. Thank you, Lorna. Yes, China cut its benchmark lending rate for the second month in a row on Thursday, and it also lowered a mortgage reference rate for the first time in nearly two years. The one-year loan prime rate, LPR, on which most new and outstanding loans are based, was cut from 3.8% to 3.7% at the January fixing. The five-year LPR, which is a reference rate for mortgages, was also cut by five basis points from 4.65% to 4.6%. This is the first cut in the key mortgage reference rate since April 2020. It's a sign that the property downturn, power shortages and lockdowns are starting to inflict a bigger-than-expected hit on economic growth in China. 
Yes, and we briefly touched on China's fourth quarter GDP numbers last week, but having seen more detail, it's the Chinese consumer who appears to be struggling. So China's GDP rose 4% year-on-year last quarter, its slowest pace in 18 months. This was largely due to the slowdown in the crucial real estate sector and indeed weakness in consumption caused by the country's zero-COVID policy and associated measures. We noted last week the strength of Chinese exports last year, which led to a record global trade surplus of $676 billion in 2021. But note that exports accounted for just a fifth of Chinese GDP growth last year, while household consumption accounted for two-thirds. So strong exports are not enough to compensate for weak domestic demand in China. No, indeed. And it was interesting to hear President Xi speaking remotely at Davos, warning Western economies against aggressive interest rate hikes. Indeed, the divergence of monetary policy globally is a concern for China. And in his Davos speech, President Xi had a very clear message for policymakers. He acknowledged that the global low inflation environment had changed and risks of inflation driven by multiple factors were surfacing. But he cautioned, and I quote, if major economies slam on the brakes or take a U-turn in their monetary policies, there could be serious negative spillovers. These would present challenges to global economic and financial stability, and developing countries would bear the brunt of it. Thank you for that. The week ahead looks pretty busy, Alex, starting with the Fed's January meeting. Should we expect some commentary on December's 7% inflation? We should definitely expect some comment on it, but it's likely to be pretty sterile in terms of response. The Fed realistically still has its foot in on the stimulative accelerator with rates where they are and the size of its balance sheet and the projection of where it is due to be before we start shrinking. Realistically, it needs to limit the stimulus significantly after getting the inflation call wrong for so much of 2021 and missing so many policy meetings. At worst, it may need to catch up in some way to where the market expectations are. And we expect flash PMI data to come in from around the world. We have somewhat mixed. So on the European side of things, we have weakening in services, but strengthening manufacturing. But then on the US side of things, slightly weaker on both sides. And of course, more Q4 corporate earnings. Any we should be particularly aware of? Yeah, a number of the large tech companies, so especially given the performance of NASDAQ over the last few weeks. So we have Apple, Microsoft and Tesla all reporting this week. So an interesting one to test the waters on how much tech earnings have moved. Yes, it should be a very interesting week. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lorna.